Welcome to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast, where we talk about topics and resources that help you lead more to reach more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. My name is Tom Bump, and I'm your host. Hey, thanks for joining me, my friends. I'm glad you're taking some time out to check out this episode of the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to get to introduce a a new book and a new author uh, that I had the privilege to meet and become friends with. And so I'm super excited to share this one with you. Now, let me ask you guys some questions here for a second. Do you think parents are struggling with watching their children's face all of the issues of the day? Like, do you think kids are struggling with anxiety and and when when it comes to, to dealing with identity and and rejection and comparison and dealing with authority figures and all of those kind of things, I, I know that we're starting to see more and more of these kind of things appear in the church and manifest themselves with families. And uh, I'm so excited because my friend Chris Sasser has written a book called Bags. And the subtitle is Helping Your Kids Lighten the Load. And and I love this book because it really is a book that you can get into the hands of parents uh, wherever their, their, their kids' ages are. It really doesn't matter. But if they're a parent or even a grandparent, Um, This would be a great book for grandparents to even read to help them figure out how do I help kids handle the life bag that they're carrying. And uh, because a lot of us parents, you know, and and in grandparents, we struggle with what do we do to lighten the load? How do we help our kids? How do we walk alongside of them? And I think this book is going to be a great resource uh, for that. So I'm super excited to dig into this conversation. I think it's going to be a great one. The book is fantastic. We'll tell you how to get it at the end of the episode. So stay tuned as we dig into this, but welcome to the Kid Ministry Collective, Chris. Uh, well, we're glad to have you on, man. Tom, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed getting to know you over the last number of months and I hope we can have a friendship for a long time. I feel like we're, we're kindred spirits in ministry in a lot of different <laughs> ways. So thank you for letting me be a part of this today. Well, my pleasure, my pleasure. Well, tell tell our listeners uh, about yourself and what you do and and how you're involved in ministry. Yeah, well, probably like most of us in ministry right now, I'm doing too much. But uh, <laughs> and, and it's funny listening to your podcast on margin a couple of weeks ago. I was a little kind of convicted because so, I need some margin. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I'm I'm a family ministry pastor. I live in Wilmington, North Carolina, a little beach town out on the coast. We love it here. Mm. I've been in full time ministry for almost 30 years now. Started as a uh, a youth pastor and kind of morphed into the family ministry role. I was in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is my hometown for 19 years. And then for the past uh, nine, almost 10 years, I've been out here in Wilmington. I'm married to Karen. Karen was a a middle school pastor at our church in Raleigh, uh, one of the absolute best Pied Pipers with middle school kids I've ever known. Uh, And then when we started having kids, she started transitioning out of full-time ministry. Uh, We have two kids. We have a teenage son. He's going to be 18 this week and headed off to college next year. We have a uh, soon-to-be 16-year-old daughter, and uh, my wife still leads uh, a small group of of senior girls. She teaches preschool now, and uh, I also do some consulting for an organization called Ministry Architects. 
-hmm. And it's a great organization where we just try to help churches build sustainable systems that that'll help kind of the ministry go for the long haul. So we do assessments and help churches build plans and stuff like that. Uh, I'm working now with an organization called ministry to parents uh, that has been around for a long time, uh -huh. uh, but there's some kind of new leadership with that. And, and M2P has been great for a long time. So I'm helping kind of with some content with ministry to parents. I coach high school football as a volunteer All right, because <laughs> uh, I love it. And I have been doing that for 20 years. And so it's just been a great way to be in the community Yes. Um, and, you know, of course, my full-time job at church where I'm the pastor of family <laughs> ministries overseeing uh, everything from birth through high school, have a great team that works with me. Um, but my passion over the last number of years has been to help us all at our church and other churches build healthy ministries to parents, because I do mm -hmm. think, you know, partnering with parents is something that we've, we've kind of heard that phrase for years in ministry world. But the, unfortunately, and I've learned this through my consulting, not a whole lot of churches have the time bandwidth or energy to do it well. And so right. um, I'm just trying to kind of help people do that. And and the book hopefully will be a partner uh, to helping churches do that. I tell you, I've been uh, digging into, uh, got my hands on while I was at D6, the new Barna research with Awana. And wow, uh, when, it, when it's talking about partnering with parents, it's amazing how many children's leaders and family leaders don't feel like we're as effective as we could be. And it's, it's interesting. I can't wait to dive into this more. I'm going to have Matt Markins on the podcast here in a, in a few weeks um, as they release this book um, about, about the whole research. And it is just, it's, it's blowing me away because um, the church needs to have some, some hard conversations. Leaders need to have some hard conversations on this, but when it comes to partnering with parents, um, there's going to be a reality check as people start to dig into this material. Because <laughs> uh, I'm certainly, I'm certainly been moved by it and blown away. And that's why I think this book that you've written is going to be a, a very powerful tool because I think parents are struggling. The church leaders don't realize how much they're struggling. And instead of having a negative mindset about parents and how they're not leading their children, um, this is an opportunity to, to push through that and to say, hey, moms, dads, grandmas, and grandpas, here's a resource that we can help you with that's really going to help you lead your children in the informal times uh, of your life. And, and as your child is coming up, um, yeah, it's good. It's going to be good. So now we, we always start the, the KMC off with a why question. So you're, here's your why question. And it, this is an easy one to ask <laughs> is why the book? Um, what led you to decide, hey, I'm going to write this book about life bags or basically bags um, and the things that kids have to deal with growing up? What, what, what led you to that? What's your why behind the book? Well, I'll start with saying I never aspired to be an author. I did jokingly have people for years tell me, you should write a book, but they never could tell me what to write it on. Um, I think just because <laughs> yeah. I had been in ministry for a long time, they felt like, well, maybe you should do that. But where, where the idea came from, Tom, was um, kind of uh, probably about 10 years or so into my ministry. Uh, I was a youth pastor primarily, and it's before I kind of had, had become a family ministry pastor. I'm the youth pastor. I've been at the church for 10 years. Kids, you know, kind of graduate through the youth ministry and they're going to get married. And so, of course, they, you know, typically call somebody in the church they've been connected to for a while. So they call the youth pastor. Hey, will you officiate our wedding? 
And of course I would say yes, because I love being a part of those moments. And so, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes it was, it was a kid that we knew through youth group and they had met their future spouse, you know, in college or later. Sometimes we knew both of them because they had both come through the church. But my wife and I had this premarital process that we would take these kids through. And it would start with dinner at our house. And we would say, hey, we're going to play a game. Tell us, or act like you don't know us and give us your life story, your faith story and your family story. And Tom, these young adults would unload on us and and just sort of kind of basically back up the dump truck and talk about all the emotional baggage that they had from life and their relationships and the pressure to perform and, you know, the comparison game they played with their siblings or whatever. Um, And and I just remember they would leave our house and I would look at my wife and I would say, honey, I'm kind of sad because they have so much emotional baggage and they have no idea how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're walking into what is hopefully the most exciting time of their life getting <laughs> married and, and they just don't know what to do. So of course the next five or six weeks of counseling is trying to unpack some of these bags. Yeah. Well, as, as I was going through that over a number of years, um, you know, you, as a parent, you just start asking the question, well, what are my kids going to be saying when they're in counseling in their twenties, you know, <laughs> how are they going to be unloading their bags? And, and I, I'm an, I'm a diehard optimist. I've actually by a good friend of mine been called, stupidly optimistic. But I just started (laughs) thinking, like, do my kids, because our kids were super young, do my kids have to have all of this baggage? Mm. Like, would there be a way for my kids to get to their young adult years and and maybe, just maybe, not have such a heavy load to carry? I'm not so naive to think that, you know, we're not going to have some emotional baggage when we get to our young adult years. But what if there, what if I could pay more attention to potential bags that my kids might pack? along the mm. way. And when I say bags, I just mean, you know, the burdens that we accumulate through yep. life that hinder us from living, you know, a life that God wants us to live. So what, what if we could kind of pay more attention? So I just started thinking about it, all my years of experience. I actually started doing focus groups with college students because I'm around a lot of college students and young adults. And just said, Hey, here's the concept. Tell me about your bags. And just like what would happen in our kitchen mm. was happening in these focus groups, these young adults would unload on me on kind of what their bags were. So over a course of time, just sort of listened, thought about it, prayed about it, and, and kind of developed um, eight common bags that I hear. I uh, had a friend of mine just encouraged me to start writing. Again, I never aspired to be an author, but <laughs> he said, hey, just start writing it. And then yeah. the, the, kind of the, the linchpin was uh, went, was going to do a seminar at a church for parents. And the, the family ministry pastor, sorry, the children's pastor called me and she said, hey, do you have anything you want to talk about? And I said, oh, no, oh gosh, I, I think I better float this out into the world. And so I did uh, talk to about 40 or 50 parents one night about it. At that time, it was called baggage claim with just uh-huh. really generic clip art on it. Um, <laughs> and uh, a guy there who, who I really trusted, um, he said, hey, man, take a breath and get it published. So I started kind of mm. working a little more seriously on it. So the Good. why I wrote the book is because a uh, long answer, I know, is because I just saw the pain that yeah. that kids and young adults were were in. And I knew that. But to hear it come out of their mouth, and then I thought, there's got to be a way for us as parents and adults to pay more attention to what's going on with them so that we can mm. help them. And that is powerful. Um, I hope so. I, well, I think it is. And because, like I said earlier, I've talked to enough leaders, and, and I've had some recent episodes where we've talked about some of the trauma that children are experiencing and facing right now. And I think even post-pandemic, we're going to see more of this come out and the church really needs to brace for it um, and prepare for it. Yes, I agree. And I think parents are going to look to us 
for, for help and for encouragement and to, to know that we're going to walk with them through this. And so that's why I think this book is, is really good and needs to get in the hands of more families because they're going to need this down the road. And so I'd rather equip them now uh, before they need it. Um, you know, my, my coach and mentor always said, you know, start doing now what you'd be forced to do later. Um, so to me, this is one of these preemptive books to get it into people's hands and say, look, you may not think you need this yet, but you're gonna, um, just trust us. And, and so I think that's, that's pretty powerful. And, you know, in your intro, you made a statement that I think a lot of kids leaders have thought about, we've talked about, it's really popular to say, um, that we've, we've thought this through, but I think it's a pretty powerful exercise, um, especially for parents to even consider, uh, I know when I've done family dedications, uh, baby dedication, child dedication, however you want to call it, um, I've challenged parents to think about this idea and, and actually challenge families to start writing a letter to their, their oldest child, you know, their, their 18 year old child, um, who's just an infant at that time. Um, to say, I want you to think about the end in mind. I want you to start thinking about what you want that child to become as a young adult. And you started asking this question in the in the intro of your book to think about what success looks like for you as a parent. And what are the top five values and principles you want your child to embrace by the time they move out of your home? You know, like I said, I've had parents write a letter to their kid expressing these kind of things. And I think this is a huge thing um, for kids, for kids ministry leaders, youth ministry leaders to, to think about themselves and where their ministry is going. But I also think for parents. Um, but why do you feel that's so important um, to, to say to parents, hey, I want you to start thinking about what are the, the top five things the, that you value and the principles you want to live by. Um, why do you think that's so important to give young people? Well, I'll go in a couple different directions here. Number one, I think it's important because as, as parents, we can quickly um, get into a kind of a mechanical relationship with our kids where, mm -hmm. you know, it's, Hey, you know, we, we got to teach them kind of all the important things of life. And then, you know, okay, you get up in the morning, you got to get your shoes on, you got to eat breakfast. You got to get your backpack back. You got, I mean, no pun intended. You got to <laughs> get off to school. You got to get home. You got to go to practice. You got to do your homework and you do it all over again. And it's just this mechanical kind of through life relationship. Yeah. And so therefore the things that are super important to us just kind of get crowded out in a way. Right. And so, so to be able to think through it, um, and, and be intentional about what you want your kids to grasp is really important. And, and I'll, I'll go kind of two directions with it. Kind of for me, the way that, that through this project that my wife and I have redefined success is, you know, typically, especially, you know, in North America, you, you kind of have the American dream mm -hmm. where you want your kids to, you know, get on the right track and get the best grades to get to the right school and get in the right crowd and meet the right people and graduate from the right college, whatever the right college is in your area. Right. <laughs> get the right job, marry the right person, and then kind of perpetuate the cycle. Have, have a lot of money. I just redefine success. And for me, success is I want my kids to be healthy. I want them to be healthy physically, but you know, there's only so much control I have over that really. Yeah. But, but what I really want is I want for them to be healthy emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and relationally. Yes. And so that's how I, I like redefine success for my kids. If, if I can get my kids to their kind of young adult and adult years and they're healthy in those areas, I don't care where they work. 
because because mm-hmm. whatever f- comes at them, they can handle in a different way. And so that that's not necessarily, I mean, I can give you five things that I want my kids to embrace, but but for me, it's a little bit of a different way that I've looked at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as we've kind of thought about what that success looks like, I mean, there are things like identity and integrity and you know, valuing other people and you know, making sure you understand you have a place in God's kingdom and you're loved no matter what. I mean, all those things kind of play into that. But for me, I just wanted to redefine success around what I want them to feel in yeah. life. Mm-hmm. And I want them to feel healthy. Yes. Yes. You know, I think um, one of the things that will help families when they start doing that is to focus on just how you said it and to realize that what matters for eternity, <laughs> those are the things we want our kids to be, to, to be secure in. Uh, and, and I think so many times we get caught up in all the earthly stuff and we forget what really matters. And I, so I appreciate that focus. Um, you know, what I love about this book too, is, is that we all carry bags. We all, you know, we all say we have baggage, but I like the illustration. Um, it really resonated with me um, that we all carry packs. Um, and, you know, I do a seminar called what's in your backpack and it's for leaders. And we yep. talk about the things that, that God has, has put into us, how he's wired us personally, relationally, mentally, emotionally, physically, um, spiritually. And, and yet we tend to add to those packs and you found that that's very true for even families and for kids. Um, and, and your first chapter is all about the idea of, Hey, just don't pack. <laughs> um, and I like, I like, I like this concept and I wanted you to unpack it for us. Well, I'm getting, really... I know there's way too many, uh, metaphors uh, you could go with, with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, some people are just going to say, just zip it. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, that was bad too. Um, sorry. Uh, anyway, so this whole idea of, of packing, um, I'd love for you to explain what you mean. And, and, and your pastor even shared, you shared in the book, something that your pastor shared, and I wanted you to kind of unpack that as well. Sorry, I had to do it again. No, you, you can't um, not do it when you have you this can't. conversation. Right, I've, right. I've learned that. Yeah. So, so yeah. tell us about this idea of, of just don't pack it. And what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is, it's funny, when I first started thinking about this, I thought, oh, surely someone's done this before. And I started kind of looking through different books and different resources. And, you know, there's a, a, a whole bunch out there about how to unpack your bags mm-hmm. as a leader, as a person, you know, because we all know that, you know, we all know, or sometimes we all are people who are, you know, later in life and our baggage just gets so heavy and it just comes spewing out. And that's just not pretty for anyone. So, so mm-hmm. for me, it's just was the idea of, awareness and preventive maintenance. Um, you know, and, and I think the way I say it is um, what if as a parent and, and as a leader, I mean, I'll, I'll anecdotally say there's some Christian schools now who are buying this book for their teachers uh, to want to have That's conversations good. kind of, you know, around their teachers. But, but what if kind of as a kid grows up from the age of five to 25, I could just pay more attention to what's happening to them and help them learn how to process it better. So the, the the, the picture from our pastor has been something that he's talked about for years. His name's Mike Ashcraft. He's actually got a couple of great books that you should go look up. Um, but, but it's encounter formation expression. And the concept is, is that we encounter things all the time in life. Mm-hmm. And when we encounter things, the things that we encounter are forming us in some way, shape or form. And then the way that we are formed gets expressed in what we say, what we do how we treat people. 
And so mm. encounter formation expression is really important when it comes to thinking about the way our kids uh, interact with the world and whatever baggage they may be packing. They encounter something at school uh, where uh, mm-hmm. someone treats them poorly and uh, it kind of really hurts their feelings or it kind of uh, brings their self-esteem down. It kind of puts a hit on their identity and it forms them in some way. Well, well, that's where we as parents can maybe be a, more a part of that formation process Yes, when the encounter happens, because we cannot control all the encounters as much as we try right. to. Right. But we have to be relationally close enough to our kids where we know about the encounters as best we can. Obviously, we're not going to know about every encounter they have everywhere they go. But if we're relationally connected to them enough to be able to sense what's going on in the encounters and to, to help the formation and, you know, to really go to the metaphor, don't let the formation, uh, don't let it form something super heavy in their bag. Right. 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 Um, then, then the expression, you know, years down the road, the expression even tomorrow is going to be a lot better. And so encounter formation expression is, I think, a powerful tool um, yeah. just to think about in lots of different areas in life. I love it. And and again, this is why I think this book is, and I, I'm glad to hear that it's Christian schools using, I think churches, I think as children's pastors and family pastors, we need to have this, um, even our small group leaders need to be reading this because that's what we do on a regular basis on Sundays. But think about how much more powerful the multiplication of it would be if 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 children's leaders, family leaders, youth pastors are doing this with the parents to realize we have an opportunity. And if we're all drawing into a child's circle spiritually, we have that opportunity to, to listen to what's going on in their week and to help them process and to give them those tools to say, okay, here's how to, to understand this and here's how to react to it and respond to it. And here's how, you know, because again, kids are getting barraged with so much. Um, their encounters are pretty intense nowadays. Um, I mean, is a politically charged world we live in and, and all the things that are being thrown at kids. And we know the enemy is coming at our children hard um, from all different kinds of ways. We have to help. Um, and I, I just think this is that was a that's a, that was a great illustration. I hope I hope people pay attention to that. Hey, and let me say one more thing, kind of about it, Tom, because because yeah. one of the things that has been kind of true for me and my family as as I've gone through this process, because again, I started probably thinking about it in in 2015 or 16, so a while ago. The first time I did a seminar was 17, and throughout the whole process, our kids were growing up knowing that I was doing this, and mm. so there was a moment where we were my son and I. I think he was probably eight or nine, 10, 11 at the time. I don't know. We were at a father-son camp out. I was kind of noodling on a part of the book. We had a moment where we were going to pray for each other at the camp out. And he knew about something kind of that was going on with my daughter and something associated with one of the particular bags in the book. And as I'm talking to CJ about it, I say, Hey buddy, uh, can you pray for me about this and, and my interaction with your sister and all this? And he says to me, this is again, like the 10 year old dad, you need to be careful that when you're not, when you're not when you're trying to help her not pack that bag, you might be packing another one. Oh, right. And so, so, so over the years, we've had conversations in our home with our, our kids who were kids and they're now teenagers about their emotional baggage. I don't mm. think a lot of conversations uh, like that are happening in people's homes. I, I know I didn't have it, and so yeah. Kids can understand it. So just like the young adults who I've talked to about it can, can quickly resonate with it and 
let it go. I think younger kids can too. So part of what we're doing with one of these Christian schools is we're going to be having three layers of conversations. We're going to be having layers of conversations with kids and creating resources for them to be able to talk about the performance bag and how do you deal with the pressure to perform. Then there's going to be something the teachers are going to be talking about to help the kids process that. Then there's going to be resources for the parents to talk about it. And so I do hope that it's not, yes, it is targeted at parents, but it is valuable for those of us who are in the church as children's leaders and and, and small group leaders, but the kids can talk about it too because they get it because they feel it. Yes. Yes. I don't think sometimes we give kids as much credit as we should. Um, and, and that's why I keep challenging people and anybody who's listened to the podcast knows don't spoon feed kids and don't water it down. Um, and don't give them every answer, let them wrestle with some of this stuff too, because they can, and they should, um, it's what bolsters their faith. It's what strengthens it. It's what solidifies it. Um, and so we are supposed to, you know, wrestle with our own faith. Um, and I think, I think that's, again, this book brings out, you, you deal with a variety of different bags um, through that, that kids are going to wrestle with and families are going to wrestle with and, and, and as they develop. And there are things that are, are important that can be positive. They can be negative depending on how a child sees it or embraces it. So we're going to talk about a few of these bags. Um, I'm not, we're not going to get through all of them because I want people to go buy this book. Um, so we're going to just tease out a few um, of these things. And I think one of the things we'll start with is the relational bag. Um, because I think, like I said, I mentioned earlier, based on this newest research that Barna and Awana have done, they talk about the emphasis of just how important it is for children, young people to have godly relationships, um, and how important it is for people to be in that circle and, and to fill the relational bag with healthy relationships, um, and with healthy perspective about that. So talk to us about the relational bag. Well, each bag has kind of a definition. And and so the definition for me of the relational bag is uh, relational bags get packed as kids develop kind of a sadness and hurt and disappointment around the key relationships in their lives. Mm. And a, a few of the bags have layers to them. And this is one of them. And so there's kind of three layers to the relational bag. There's, of course, our relationships with parents, Kind of baggage that we all create, and 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 for a lot of us, we we love our parents. We've had good relationships with our parents, and but but yet there's still baggage, right? Yep. For other people who yep. have had terrible relationships with their parents, for whatever reason, there's obviously a lot of baggage. One of the things that I heard from um, a, a, one young adult very specifically, but it was resonated in a lot of different ways in the focus groups is, I love my parents, but. Mm. And, and the but always sort of kind of took it back to, well, I, I know my parents lo- love me, but do they love me just because they have to? Because it's kind of part of the job description. I mean, all my life, they've just kind mm. of pushed me to, 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 to perform and be better and, you know, get ahead. Again, American dream kind of push that, that we do mm. as parents. And kids begin to wonder, are they just kind of a project instead uh-huh. of? Uh, kind of a, a, a solid relationship to to be cherished. And so there's relational baggage with parents. 
Obviously, if there's more than one child in the house, there's relational baggage with siblings because sibling rivalries are real. And we as parents <laughs> watch that from a very young age and we play into it. I mean, yep. hey, he he started walking when he was nine months, but she didn't walk until she was 13 months. I mean, you know, there's and they, they sort of know these things are going on as we're comparing yeah. them right. to each other in different ways. I, I could tell you story after story about that. <laughs> um, and then you know, there's relational baggage with peers that just, you know, start at a very early age. Um and, you know, th- there are just ways that we as parents can pay attention to what's going on and hopefully be able to, to help them not have such heavy relational bags. Hmm. And what I love about each of these chapters, too, I should add, is I like how you've concluded each chapter with some reflection questions. Um, and again, I think this is this this is a, these are great for, I think, ministry leaders to discuss, I think, for parents to discuss. Um, I think even yeah, talking to some of your kids about some of these questions and asking them some of the questions, I think it's going to be pretty powerful um, to walk through and, and to ask kids, how are your relationships and how is our relationship? And, and so many times, I mean, I just taught a parenting seminar and, and we were talking about discipline and, and all that. And we talked about the idea that relationship first, um, if you don't put relationship, you know, if you don't consider the timing of when you're giving instructions even to a child, um, then it shows them that you're you're looking at the process, not the relationship. You're looking at what has to be done, the objective, uh, the job, instead of looking at them as a person. And that can be damaging um, to the relationship. It can it can and it even affects it overflows to the spiritual relationship with God the Father. And so I, I, I think that that's, I loved that chapter. I'm glad you started there um, because I think that's, that's a big one for a lot of people. I think we all, even as adults, you know, we carry those things over and then we become parents and, and then it happens, you know, we're trying to do better. Um, and sometimes we go too far the other way. Yep. And, and so I think that's a, that's a big one. And you, you wrote some really good stuff there. So again, I'm just teasing it. Um, you gotta go buy the book. <laughs> hey, let me say one more thing, Tom, because because what I've started to say lately, uh, and this isn't necessarily in the book, but uh, it's a helpful kind of way to think about it for me. So, you know, during the pandemic, those of us who were in ministry, we were in this moment where we had to create a lot of content, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so we had kind of some conversations with our staff at our church, um, kind of in the middle of it and even coming out of it, saying what people, people don't necessarily need content. What they need is connection. And yes. so the, the idea was connection over content. Well, as I've kind of gone in the last couple of months, I think the same is true with our kids. It's, it's essentially a different way of saying what you just said. Um, but, but what our kids need is connection over content. We're yes. really good at providing our kids with content. Here's how you mm-hmm. do this. Oh, fix that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, make sure like you're keeping your eye on the ball. Make sure, you know, have you done your homework? I mean, that's just all kind of content. What they really want is connection with us. Oh. And so that, that kind of relational piece that you were talking about. Um, yes. And, you know, there is study after study that bears out. That's what they want more than anything else. It's huge. It's huge. And I think this bag is also huge because we're hearing about it everywhere right now. Um, and identity is a, can be, uh, I hate even saying be triggering with word. That word. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, people are going to immediately get triggered by it. Well, yeah, take a right. breath, people take a breath. Not what we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think, you know, there is, there's definitely an attack on kids. Um, and, and parents are struggling with this whole idea of how do I help kids 
get that godly definition of identity? And how do I understand how to help my children with their identity? And so, again, we're only going to tease a little bit, but I'd love to hear your thoughts about this issue and and how how your book impacts it. I would say that that there is a ton of identity baggage that's getting packed with kids. And it's just because of the confusion of trying to figure out who they are and how they fit into this world. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and he, he part of what I think is going on, Tom, and I'm still kind of noodling on this. But, but I think there's just so much noise. And when I say noise, I don't just mean actual you know, physical noise. I just mean content and noise and, and stuff coming at our kids. Mm-hmm. And um, I heard it said a couple of years ago, kids are more exposed to the things of this world, but they're not more mature Ooh. in order to process it and deal with it. And so I yep. think when it comes to a lot of the anxiety, depression, and the identity that our kids are trying to sort out and figure out, I think we're experiencing some of the consequences of forcing these kids to grow up too early. Yes. Yes. You know, again, they're more exposed to thoughts and ideas and, and who, who could, who could I be? And it used to be kind of your, your, for me, like my world of figuring out who I was was when I went to school every day, when I was on a team, and when I was playing with kids on the on the street, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now, sure, I, I watched some TV, and I was a little bit in the quote-unquote media world, but Lord knows nothing like what these kids are in today. I mean, I remember when my yep. son, when we first moved to our new town, um, I, CJ was, I think, four years older than our next-door neighbor, maybe six years older, and the second-grade kid next door had the iPhone 11, and the two of them are sitting in our driveway looking at something, right? And I'm thinking, God, all of the stuff coming at these kids. And then again, as parents and adults, we don't always have the proximity with them relationally to be able to help them process what they're thinking about all of this stuff and certainly who they are in the midst of it. And so the identity confusion, that's not just around the triggering conversation, but it's just around everything Um, it's just, it's in their face all the time. Yeah. And, and they are not, uh, wired. Their brain is not developed enough to think it through. So we got to help them. Yes. That's what I think about it. Um, I, that's well said. And, and I mean, yeah, there's a definite different world. It used to be that children's innocence around these kind of things was protected. That's right. And nobody crossed that line and now it's like what line yeah because we're the the exposure is getting younger and younger and you're right they 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 just mentally emotionally uh physically spiritually i mean the whole realm of their soul cannot handle the depth of that and the ramifications of those things um the um, consequences for those things. It, it just, they, they're not concrete thinkers. And, and so that's, what's so frightening to me now looking at it and thanking God, a lot of times that my children are young adults now and, and the, the world they grew up under even is different than yeah. I, I, so I understand, I feel such compassion and empathy for, for young parents right now. Because this is this is hard. 
Yeah. Uh, and I think that's why, like you just said, getting that proximity and keeping it tight, uh, watching what comes into your child's world and guarding it. I think some people are going to think, man, that sounds so legalistic. Well, what, what outcome do you want? If I were a parent nowadays, I would be much more legalistic about who gets in my child's world, what my child views than ever, because yeah. I am going to guard those things uh, because I want my children, children or child to have a proper, healthy identity yeah. um, and, and to know and be secure in who they are and how God wired them. Uh, yeah. So, boy, that's and, a good one. And I would say, too, even if we can't guard everything, again, it's back to encounter formation expression. Even if we yep. can't guard everything, we can be there to help them process yes. it. Right. Um, right. And, and I, I love that you said kind of a few moments ago that parents can have conversations with their kids about this stuff. And actually, you know, what part of what I'm trying to create, and this is just for free, and it's it, we'll talk about the website in a little while, but I'm trying to create these things called talk sheets where parents can just, you know, print it out or have it as a PDF. And it's, it's, it is targeted at a family conversation around right. these particular bags. Um, and, and, and one other thing, an exercise that, you know, it's funny when, when you write something like this, you're like, Oh, I better make sure I'm doing this in my house. So I've kind of had a lot of great <laughs> conversations with my kids over the last couple of years, but on the identity side, like what I want is I want for my kids to be able to fill in the blank here with, with something specifically, I am blank. Mm -hmm. right? What I want them to say, of course, is I want them to say, I am a child of God. That's what I want them to say so that they can rest in that. And so I, I in the last year or two, and maybe, uh, you know, I, I hope I'm not too late to the party because you can do this when your kids are five. Um, oh, yeah. I've asked my kids that question all the time. How do you, how do you fill in this blank? I am blank. That, that's a question you can ask your kids because if, if your kid says I'm a baseball player or, you know, I'm a student or I'm a, I'm a screw up, right? It'll just give you tools yes. as a parent to Ooh, know where their so brain good. is when it comes to their identity and be able to have conversations along the way. So I would encourage you as a parent to, to ask your kids that question. Hey, fill in the blank. I That's am a good blank. one. That's a good one. I think, I think that opens a lot of doors for, for healthy conversation. Um, thank, I'm glad you shared that. That's, that's really good. That's really good. Um, all right. <laughs> Let, let's, let's dig, let's tackle one more. I think we've got time. We can, we can do this one. Cause I think this is, this is big too, especially if you have multiple kids, you kind of touched on it just a little bit, but, but this idea of comparison, because I think kids struggle hard with this one too. I think adults struggle with this. I think ministry leaders. I struggle, struggle with this one, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just um, if I'm honest, right? Yeah. Well, this, this one, this one gets in, you know, when I'm doing my seminar on what's in your backpack, comparison is one of those things that shows up uh, in, 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 in that talk. So tell us why we need to get a right perspective on this when, when the comparison bag is, is there. So what, why did you talk about this one a little bit? Well, I think the comparison bag, um, it leads us, anytime we do it, anytime we, we play the comparison game, if you will, it always leads us to a bad place. I mean, obviously, if we play the comparison game and we feel like we can never stack up to uh, to our parents, you know, compared to what they were when they were kids or our siblings or our friends or our peers, or now with, again, social media and all the exposure, kids are, you know, comparing themselves to the TikToker who lives in, you know, in, in mm. Europe or whatever. I mean, yes. it, it compares either I'm, I'm, I'm terrible and I will never live up to that. 
which is a very bad place to be. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, I'm better than everybody else. And uh, you you begin (laughs) to kind of have this just judgmental, entitled kind of mentality because I'm really good. Yeah. Neither one of those are good places to be, right? The, The humility that we need to just recognize who we are and how we've been created in God's image to be who he's called us to be. Yeah. Um, just gets jacked up when we play the comparison game. And so there's just yes. comparison baggage, you know, as, as kids, you know, move through life, evaluating how they stack up to the world around them. And what they ultimately mm. wonder is, am I enough? Wow. And so being able to, to combat that and fight that and help kids feel like, no, 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 you are enough. Yeah. You're not yeah. more than you need to be. You're not less than you need to be. You're just enough. Right. And uh, I think that's just a, a it's a, it's a peaceful place to be in life. Yes. Right. I mean, one of the things that drives me too is Philippians four, six, where, where Paul talks about, there's a peace that transcends understanding mm-hmm. in life. And, and I think that's ultimately where we all want to be. I think we want um, peace with God. I think yep. we want peace with others. And I think yep. we want peace with ourselves. Yep. Well, I do think learning how to not compare yourself to others um, helps in, in the peace with others and peace with yourself. And, right. and ultimately in the peace with God, because you, you trust who God's created you to be. So yes. um, be, playing the comparison game is not a very peaceful place to live for me. Right. And it's something that as parents, we have to watch. And, and, and even in the church, we can, we can help. That. Really? Um. <laughs> People do that in church. Come on, Tom. <laughs> Oh yeah, we do it. We do it. No, that's good. That's you. (laughs) All right. Well, man, we got to wrap this conversation up, but I want to, your final chapter, you talk about lightening the load a little bit. So can you give us a nugget um, just for, for people listening of, of here's some, here's one thing you can do to help lighten the load of kids. Um, uh, well, I, I think it's, it's, it's really for parents, a lot of ways it's, it's about your perspective and your approach to your kids. And one of the things that I do talk about in the last chapter is just, just embracing God's grace. Mm. Um, and it has to start with you as yes. a parent, embracing God's grace and recognizing, look, none of us is perfect at this parenting thing. We don't know what we're doing. We're figuring out along the way, <laughs> but God's grace can cover that. And that's one of the things I say to people too, is look, can God's grace cover you and your life, even if you pack some emotional baggage and some tremendous baggage. And if you're in your forties or fifties now, and you, you kind of missed the boat on paying attention to your baggage, can God's grace cover that? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, for sure. It can. And so you have to just lean into that. Hmm. Um, and then I, I had one more and, and this is one that I'm convicted of and it's just the power of prayer. I yes. heard years ago, um, and this will kind of cut cut in two ways for those of us who work in the church. I heard years ago someone say that um, ministry without prayer is the highest form of arrogance. Oof. Yeah, let that settle Ooh. in for a minute, right? Yes. Ministry without prayer is the highest form of arrogance. Well, what I've done over the last couple of years is kind of co-opted that a little bit and said parenting without prayer is the same. I mean, it, it is a form of wow. arrogance. Yes. Yes. That I can handle raising these young people in the way that I want them to go, yeah. where what I really need to do is to, to submit it to God, give them to him, recognize he loves them more than I do anyway. And yep. it's the way they should go that right. he wants to direct them, not the way I necessarily That's want right. them to go. So God's grace and the power of prayer. Those are kind of two parts of the last chapter wow. that I would, that I, I just have to lean into every day. Yep. 
Those are good. Those are good. That's a great way to finish this off. So, hey, tell us a little bit about where people can find the book. Where can they pick it up? Um, grab some copies for their their families in their church. Yeah, well, you can obviously get it on Amazon. It's there right now. But you can also go to a website. And this is if you just want to kind of let someone know about the book. Um, it's called thebagsbook.com. And uh, I also have a workbook, Tom, that goes along with it that has some of the same questions that are in the back of the book, but some new material as well. So if you want to kind of go through it just as an individual or, you know, take a small group through it, the only place you can get the workbook is kind of order it through the bagsbook.com. Okay. And so I would say just go there. And, and um, if you're a children's ministry leader or any kind of a ministry leader and you want to have more conversation about this, um, it's a great parent seminar. I've done it a number of times and parents really resonate with it. So you can contact me through that page, uh, that site. Okay. I'd love to come talk to your church about it um, or your Christian school or whatever. So thebagsbook.com. Bagsbook.com. All right. So we're going to put that in the show notes so you can grab it there. And uh, I encourage you. I really do. I think this is fantastic. There's so much more in the book that we didn't even touch. Um, you're going to want to check this out and and take a look. So Chris, thanks for making time uh, out of your week uh, to record this. And and I hope that lots of people will go out and pick this up. Thanks, Tom. I really appreciate all you're doing and appreciate you uh, you having the conversation. Well, my pleasure. My pleasure. Well, guys, that wraps up this episode of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast for this week. I appreciate you joining me for this episode. And again, any feedback, encouragement, or if you want to leave us a review, we would love to have that just encouragement. Uh, it helps us get the word out more about the KMC podcast. So thanks for listening and join me for another episode real soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. We hope that it's helped and encouraged you. If you would, support our podcast by continuing to share it with other leaders. And if you haven't already, hey, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. We look forward to hearing from you how this podcast has helped and sharpened your skills and ministries. So let us know on your Facebook page or head over to kmccoach.net and share with us there. And thanks again for listening to the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast.